0: Your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond. The show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in
1: your pocket.
2: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is the Power Hour. I've got John and Ethan helping me out from Pittsburgh Power. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, emissions, new technology. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those calls and questions in just a minute. John and Ethan, welcome back, guys. Good to be here, Kevin. Good
3: to be here, too, Kevin.
2: (sighs) All right. So I don't have a lot this morning. It's been kind of a uh, crazy week. We'll see what you guys might have. But uh, one thing I want to mention, John, you know, I, I, I do a ton of reading in the morning. I know you do, too. We've shared some newsletters back and forth. For a while, I was actually tagging all of the... Articles about autonomous and electric and putting them in a folder in my uh, news aggregator, I gave up. I, I can't keep up with it. I, I The number of articles about autonomous vehicles now, whether it's cars, um, trucks, boats, you name it. I mean, it, it is just overwhelming right now, the amount of news that's coming out. I, I gave up tagging them. I couldn't possibly read them all if I tagged them anyway.
4: Yeah, it's crazy. I saw a GM, I guess, made an announcement last week about their autonomous program and having a car available in the next couple of years. So, you know, the big ones are at it. I guess they've been working on it quietly for quite a while, and it's just all starting to hit now.
2: The, the interesting thing I saw on the GM car was there's no steering wheel. So this one is not even designed to possibly have a driver in it as a backup. They took out the controls.
4: Yep. Yeah, I've seen a couple other unknown companies. It's a Chinese company that's got a pod-type deal. You know, a city autonomous, just like uh, Bob Lutz wrote about in that article we spoke about a few months ago. So that's, that's actually well underway, too. It's I, just like a little box that moves you from one place to another that, that drives itself around.
2: I, I saw a Swedish company doing that right now. It, and you're right, it looks like a big kind of rounded right. trailer on wheels. It, and it's... Just it's loaded with boxes and it drives itself around the city and makes deliveries it's yep. uh it's crazy <laughs> yep. stuff it's moving so fast
4: well you know, it's it kind of fits with everything else that's going on techn- technologically and you know with uh you know you're you're talking about all the upticks in uh in trucking and everything and you know, everybody likes to rail on globalization but i think Part of what we're seeing in all this transportation and supply chain and everything going on is, is a result of that. So, again, the jobs have shifted. You know, tech will be here, manufacturing may not. Uh, some will be, but some a lot won't be. But that means there are goods that are going to have to be shipped back here and moved around, which makes our industry you know, it's all that much stronger.
2: You know, I, I read some analyst thoughts on this, and it was really kind of. Um In my eyes, kind of the best of both worlds, because I certainly don't want to see autonomous vehicles take over trucking anytime soon. But I love following the technology. I'm so intrigued by it, and it's such a massive change. And it's kind of interesting, because a lot of the analysts are saying, look, probably not 2018, 2019, but by 2020, they really believe you're going to see much more autonomous technology on our roads, We're going to move beyond, you know, the proof of concept phase into the how do we scale this out phase. But then they also said, you're not going to see full-blown implementation for a couple of decades, probably. Which kind of the best of both worlds, because I could see where autonomous technology could benefit owner-operators who get this. You know, I have a guy who's just dying to buy two Tesla trucks Hoping one will platoon and he can drive back and forth from the east coast to the west coast with two trucks, by himself. I mean that's the kind of thinking that's, that's, that's exciting. Yeah. No, I, love yeah.
4: I love the platooning technology. That that that's really neat. But but I, my feeling is, if you look at the like I said with upswing right now, I think there's just so much stuff to be moved. You know, uh, yeah, there are industries that are suffering because of that. The you know the, shall we say the brick and mortar type stores and so forth are are not going to, but. I think what's going to drive this and why I think it's not going to be, you know, going to kill jobs by any means is the fact that there is way more stuff to be moved than there are going to be people to move it. I, I think the autonomy is going to be necessary just, to, just to, because there aren't bodies to do it.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of the exciting part because the autonomous technology is not expensive. I mean, we can see this already. It, it will probably drastically lower costs in transportation, not just because it might replace people, but because the vehicles could be significantly cheaper. The, the the technology to make these things autonomous is dirt cheap, and it gets cheaper every year. And when you look at you know some of the other advantages, I, I think that this in no way shuts the owner-operator out of the market. There's a lot of freight to be moved. Absolutely and- not. And there's things we're not even thinking of yet, we're not seeing yet. So I'm actually getting more excited as I see how this looks like it's going to roll out. You know, you mentioned manufacturing. I think we've talked about this before. I believe this will change transportation and lead to more of it with shorter hauls, which is the whole idea of 3D printing and these other new manufacturing technologies that don't require massive plants that we'd rather have in some other country, there are a lot of people saying a lot of manufacturing is going to come back locally.
4: Oh, very local. It'll be, it'll be micro, though, like you say. It'll be you know, a small place with some you know automated machines and 3D printing, and you could 3D print metal now, and there there's all sorts of neat stuff going on like that. So, yeah, absolutely. But you, you'll see... But it's not going to be a great big factory that employs a whole bunch of people. It's going to be groups of little ones that are right where the part needs to be made that are going to be sitting there spitting out that specific part for that specific
3: job. Oh, I love 3D printing. I even have one <laughs> on my uh, kitchen table there. Do you really? Yep. So, go to dinner at Ethan's. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's not, but, you know, nothing too fancy, but, but,
2: but <laughs> well, when it I, runs
3: constantly.
2: When I, when I sit down at dinner, you print out my utensils?
3: But <laughs> if you really want to, it's a little time-consuming. You may not be eating that night. So the toys
4: my son has to work with it is at his university are insane. He's got all that you know. So there's tons and tons. I wrote him back to school yesterday, and he gave me a little walk through one of the engineering labs. Now, while I was there, it's just just amazing. Like the the, the the technology and the things these kids are learning and working with and on. It's unreal.
2: You know, I I think the lesson for us. And and our listeners is, you know, if you're at my age, there's still plenty of time to make a lot of money in this industry, and it's going to be a very exciting time. If you're in your early 30s, I'm not sure that I would be looking at a long career in trucking, but who knows? I I try not to think more than about 10 years out because it hurts my head anyway. But the other lesson is your kids and your grandkids, guide them in this. You know, pay attention and, and guide them where we're going because the average person just doesn't even think about it. You know, their head's down, they're going through their day. Um, it, it, we could say that uh, this, all this AI and autonomous is going to put people out of jobs, but that could have been said about farm equipment and about machinery and industrial and Internet. And it seems like every time we have a technology that people are afraid it's going to put everybody in the country out of work, it does the opposite. It creates such a more robust economy that there are more jobs. They just might be different jobs.
4: They'll be different and different ways to do it. There's always stuff is always going to need to move. So there's going to be and there'll be more stuff to move as we go and more and more and more. So the business business model may be a little different. The equipment you buy to do it may be different, but still going to be the same principles to get things from point A to point B. And you're going to need something to do it with. And yeah. someone's going to be in charge of that. And someone's going to. Know how to profit on that, so it's uh, it's never going to change. It's not going to, uh, you know, uh, autonomous trucks are not going to put all the truck drivers out of business. That absolutely not. It's not going to going happen that way at all. There's so much stuff to move. I think we'll need them in addition to. I think the platooning thing is, is a step in that direction. You know, like you're, you're the, the the guy you talked about who wants to build the uh, buy one truck and have another one to platoon with it. That's brilliant. Yeah, like that, just imagine how, how cool that would be.
2: Yeah, because I tell people so, right yeah. now we, we are, freight is booming right now. I mean, I have never seen anything like this. I've never seen rates like this. And I was just saying yesterday, you know, at some point, this got to level off. I mean, it hasn't. January, I I just saw the numbers this morning for January. We broke another record in January for the first week already. Um, So it's not leveling Mm -hmm. off. And the article actually said, and this is one of the biggest freight analyst companies in the country, They said they don't see it leveling off yet. They think sometime during 2018 it probably will. But based on everything they're looking at, they don't think that's going to be anytime soon. So I tell owner-operators this is a wonderful thing. One, because there's a ton of money to be made. But there's also something to be very careful about. And I'll talk about that when we get back from this break. So stick around. We'll talk about that, and we'll get to your calls and questions. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. John and Ethan are here with me. So one of the things I tell people to be very careful of in this this environment, we've been in it before, not quite like this, but I've been through these boom and bust cycles many times. The problem is when there's a lot of freight and rate goes up, that means there also has to be a lack of capacity. That's what creates the crunch. And the lack of capacity isn't a shortage of trucks or trailers. It's always a shortage of drivers. So you have to be careful because if if you're an independent, you're working with brokers or shippers directly, they will promise you the moon and pressure you to put more equipment on because they need trucks. And when you're already doing a good job for them, they'll say, can't you handle one more load or do you have another truck or would you get another truck you have to be really, really cautious about that right now, because the competition for drivers is so stiff right now. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, that's where maybe this platooning, uh, sometime soon, will take some of that pressure off and allow an owner-operator to move more freight without needing another driver.
4: Uh, absolutely, yeah. That's uh, like I said. That's a step in the in that direction with the. Autonomy and the, the platooning thing. After my conversations with my friend that works at Packer about the, you know, all the work that's gone into that, they they've actually there's a whole lot of research that's been done, and I think I mentioned it to you. You know, the different deals that need to be made, and uh, you know, the way they're designing the, these platooning systems is any truck can platoon with another truck. It's not like a it's not like a closed deal. So you know, if you, if you you agree to it, hit a button on your dashboard, and you're all of a sudden platooning with the truck in front of you. he's also got the technology. So uh, I don't know that I want to ride in that truck. <laughs> I think it'd be kind of
2: spooky. But uh, <laughs> well, but I, I'll tell you if oh, I yeah. if, I, don't, I don't know if I am going to be the rear truck in that in that scenario at that point those trucks are so close together I'm climbing back in the bunk and closing the curtain because it, it's not going to matter if something goes wrong. It's not like I'm going to save it. So why would I want to see it all happen? <laughs>
4: I mean, it's so close you're not going to hit it with much momentum, so it might not be that bad of a hit. True, so, uh, I'm not sure. I've uh, you know my racing experience. I, I used to used to run at 130 miles per hour in a Formula Ford, touching the car in front of me, no problem. Yeah, yeah. So you know that, that never never freaked me out. But boy, if something else is in control, I I, know. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a little <laughs> that weird. Would be, that'd be rough, but I, but I, but it's brilliant really technology. It really is. But uh, you know, when he talked to me about deals being made between trucking companies and such and everything, it's just it's really interesting. Uh, you know, the thought that's already gone into this. So it's, uh, you know, again, I think we're going to see that one sooner sooner than later.
2: Yeah, you know what Probably a lot of people don't realize about platooning is it, some people don't realize there's, a, there's big fuel mileage gains, period. But most people that realize it think that it's only the rear truck that's getting the gain because they're kind of drafting. But the front truck gets a gain because we solved that big air gap problem in the back absolutely yep so you know that big sucking vacuum that's right behind the trailer the reason why we use things like air tabs and trailer tails to try to solve that and the under tray and the diffuser we're trying to fill in that big sucking vacuum well you bring another truck right up behind it close enough and you've you've improved that so the lead truck also gets a fuel mileage increase
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it helps all around. It's uh, it's amazing what happens in those situations. Uh, I, I've driven uh, a car called a Spec Miata, for, you know, a Mazda Miata, like uh, you know every other girl on the street drives, but uh, they have a really cool racing class for them. And when you draft up on one in front of you, you actually have to get off the throttle. So you could be, and you drive these things flat out everywhere. They don't have any horsepower. they're They're, they're really pretty slow. But when you catch up to another one, all of a sudden you get out of the throttle or you're gonna run him over once you get pulled into the draft, and he picks up speed too so it's uh it's, I've experienced it firsthand i mean it's it's you have to notably you'll know, get off the throttle before you hit him, yeah, and you know we were trying your damnedest just to get there and <laughs> and it's uh it's pretty amazing you just feel it you just you just feel the drag go away you feel the car all of a sudden free up and and you're there so I can imagine what that feels like in a truck. If you're in the platoon truck, I I would love to you know <laughs> that initial attachment whenever you actually go way closer than you ever thought you would. Right. You know, what 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 it does. Uh you know. I'd love to have it I'd love to have a computer hooked up to it and look at like requested torque and stuff whenever that happens and see exactly what uh what it does. Yeah, would be really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It would. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I'd love to find uh, somebody that's testing that and see if I could get in. You know, Michelin let me come down and spend time at their proving grounds. And we got to do crazy stuff with trucks that you would never do on the road. You know, push things beyond their limit until you crashed them. You know, which is fun. Um, because you yeah. never know what the limit is until you go past it. So uh, people will tell me all the time, oh, those, yeah, those wide singles, oh, they're just horrible. And I'll say, look, I drove a lot of miles with both duals and wide singles, and I can't give you an honest comparison of which one is better because how often driving the truck out in the real world on the road do you get anywhere near the limits of those tires? You don't. So how do we know which one's really better? You might think that, well, I spun out this time and I had wide singles. But you have no way of knowing if you would have spun out more, less, or not at all with a different tire. So you never get that true head-to-head right. comparison. Yeah, to be... Go ahead.
4: Which is all that matters in a situation like that. You you can't say one thing does something and not another if you didn't test it in the same exact environment on the same day, the same everything. You, you don't know. You really, really can't.
2: Exactly. and. You know what is the limit you know so when we when I was down at the proving grounds, we literally got to do tests like they'd have two identical trucks set up sitting next to each other. The only difference would be the tires, and you'd go run a test track and do just crazy stuff, like make two really fast lane changes at seventy miles an hour, and you would you would feel the tractor slide out from under. When you, and they forced you because you either made the lane change or you wiped out all their cones, and I didn't want to be embarrassed. So, you know, you had to make these two high-speed <laughs> lane changes quickly. And then you, at the end of the track, you'd get out, you'd climb right into the other truck, identical truck, identical load, 80,000 pounds. Then you'd go back through the track again with the other tires. Or we'd go out on their wet track, which was a blast, and you know, take a bobtail and, and put it into a spin, and and see when do you lose control of it. And you'd get out of one truck and right into an identical truck. The only difference being the tires. That was just really eye opening. I'm
4: sure. Yeah, that that had to be neat. That sounds like fun. It'd be a whole lot of fun.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, it yep. was. It it really. So. Did. Uh, Go ahead. Move on to some more, con- more some more conventional stuff.
0: Yeah,
4: uh, finally got one of our transmissions out. I guess I heard Steve called the show on Saturday or Sunday, but uh, we got the transmission with the uh, metal surface treatment done, and I think it's working really well. So that's something I'd like to uh, do a little bit more work with, and it's got me thinking of uh, maybe assembling some complete drive lines. Um, uh, after after Steve's deal, I've become a, a fan of that. Uh, that Meritor Direct Ten, I think think that's a pretty awesome transmission, and uh, you know, two sixty four or even even a, a uh, taller gear than that maybe, and putting something together, you know, using some of the same technologies in the rear ends too, and maybe building up complete uh, drive lines that are super high efficiency.
2: That'd be interesting. Yeah, Steve, uh, you know, we're really early into this yet, but uh, he was optimistic, and he loved the results he had seen so far with the engine and the transmission. So you um, couldn't pick a better test case. I don't know that anybody that's more anal about his fuel mileage than he is. <laughs>
4: oh, he absolutely is. And he's got such a great – you know, he's you know an engineer first, so he's got a great mechanical feel, and he knows uh, what's coming from where, and he's got a really good sense of uh, – what's going on but uh he just said it was you know as smooth as it is and quiet he said it was never that quiet before and it's uh, everything seems to be working nice and free and we did his drive shafts for him too which is which is a big deal there's a huge inefficiency and vibration and i guess over time you'll just get used to it but uh you know be it the transmission or straightening out the drive lines and he's easy on equipment but uh you know he assumed they weren't twisted up at all but as it turns out they they were which puts your u-joints a little bit out of phase which is really inefficient so uh i can't emphasize that enough uh you know we like to see every half million miles but uh if you've got a set of driveshafts that have got nearly a million miles on you really ought to get them uh, balanced and straightened at your local driveshaft shop or bring them here either good, way
2: so good idea all right what do you say we get to some calls sure all right let's head off to louisiana adam welcome to the program
5: Hey there, guys. Um, yeah, I talked to you the other day, Kevin. Uh, I was the one with the uh, 2010 ProStar, and um, last January I put a brand-new Recon 550 ISX Cummins in here, and I just had my sixth turbo put in here since July. I've had three actuators, three flex pipes, a dozer belt. It's just been a nightmare.
2: Okay, let me... <laughs> Let, let's pause there because the, the music's playing. Um, we'll come back and we'll get right back to that call and question right after this. Stick around. This is the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. John and Heath are here with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we're talking with Adam in Louisiana. Adam, go ahead. Oh, let me try that again. Adam's still here? Uh, he's, there there we go. Here. Adam, go ahead.
5: There he is. Yeah. All right. Did you guys catch what I was saying before? or
4: it was a whole lot of stuff that had been replaced a lot.
3: Six turbos, it six <laughs> turbos or five turbos? Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot.
5: Yeah, it's, uh, I just um, had the six uh, turbo put on since July. <laughs> and, you know, here's the weird thing. With the turbos, they're, they're not even, I mean, they're not blowing oil. There, there's no damage on the inside. Um, but they were definitely bad. And when the actuator went bad, the one that showed up, that thing was bad when they put it on. So then they had to put another one on. And, uh, yeah, it's just been crazy. I don't understand what's going on.
4: Well, what, is it, what, what year is it? Well,
5: okay. um, the truck is a 2010 ProStar, and uh, the motor okay. I had put in January of 17. That's a 871? Or is that it's a 2250? Cross-over. It's
4: crossover it's here, it's,
3: yeah, It's you the 871. Just, yeah, does it have the urea or just the DPF?
5: Just a DPF.
3: 871. It's an 871, okay. That's an odd failure for
5: that.
4: Yeah, we don't
3: see that that often with and that one. this truck is stock. No one's tried to tune it or done anything. The the program is a factory program, correct?
5: Yeah, the ECM was new with the motor. You know, the clutch, everything was new. And the other thing that's weird, too, is I throw these ghost codes. I get all these codes for, like, engine brake, uh, just a variety of things. And then, because I can check it with my Cummins Mini, and then when I go into the shop, they're just gone. And I can't erase them myself. Only them guys can do it with the laptop. So, I mean, that's really odd, too.
3: Yeah, um, one thing I would try, and it just popped into my head here, is there's different calibration numbers they can try. Um, It's a 550, but they make different... uh, Versions of the same calibration It might be worth just having that computer Change to a different one You know okay. It be a factory 550 but You know they designate a code for it It might be worth changing it um, And still stay within the CPL Just to make sure that we don't Got some weird thing going on
5: here Right Well the guy at Cummins said uh, well, You know one more issue Then it goes to tier 3 To the engineers and uh you said expect it to be down a while.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're not uh, fast at, at that. I've, I've heard of it. Because um, then they start really looking into it.
5: Yeah, it's very detailed. Just dealing with tier two took a while.
6: But yeah, it's just that's, frustrating. That's you know, I, dropped,
5: I dropped 45 grand, you know, to avoid this problem when I started my dedicated run. And... uh I'm in the shop more now than I was before. I mean, I went through turbos before, but this was, this was just unbelievable.
4: Yeah, there's something wrong. Yeah, something's that, just not right. No. There's not all, that much to go wrong inside the turbo. We've just rebuilt the... Uh, we just tested the first one that we rebuilt ourselves because they're so darn expensive. We uh, were able to source the rebuild kit online for them. And... It was it was tricky. There was I actually had to do some machine work. There were a variety of different things, and some of the parts aren't as readily available for them as you'd think. So we spent a whole lot of time on this one and uh, did it ourselves. And there's really not a lot to go wrong. Uh, you know, so the actuator itself is a little glitchy sometimes. But aside from that, it's uh, it's all pretty straightforward inside of there. So I don't know what, you know, again with the calibration, maybe the things not calibrating properly when they do it. That's a possibility. Or, Does it the same shop do it every time?
5: Uh, yeah, it's been at the Cummins shop every time except the last time, International. Did it, but okay.
4: there's a fairly tricky calibration process for the uh, for the actuator. Uh, you actually have to take it off of the turbo. You have to drain all the cooling out of the engine to do it. It's not it's not really that simple. Uh, I wonder if they're getting that wrong or yeah, something. If you put that on wrong, it'll snap. It'll break the turbo. Right. Yeah. If that's wrong, it'll break. Yeah. You we'll break the actuator too. Right. right. So, just a thought. I mean, it just doesn't make sense it. to me. Because, like I said, there's really not that much to go wrong in there. Unless your end is running really dirty and you're gumming up the uh, the veins for some reason. Uh, I can't imagine that being the case. You'd, you'd have other issues. But, uh, yeah, that's really, really interesting. I'd love to get
5: our hands on it if
4: you were to, uh, depending on what happens here, if you get it to us, it'd be neat to uh, get it in here and play with it.
5: Right. So you think it's possible? Maybe the ECM might be, might be something wrong with
4: it. Could be if it's not calibrating that the the actuator properly, it could be doing something wrong. Yeah, there's there's a chance. It'd be worth a try. You know, I had that's all part. them it, I had
5: all them ghost codes going on, you know, and that's weird because them shouldn't just appear like that.
3: Not that quickly. Um, it, it can turn a code off, but that would take a long time. It can't see it, and it has to wait, oh, a long time, because right. it wants to give you a shot to see it. Uh, so it's almost like if you're seeing those codes, and then you can see them, and by the time you get there, they disappear. Almost seems like I would try a different ECM.
4: Oh, yeah, different ECM or different ECM calibration.
3: Yeah, at so least reflash it to back to a different factory code. Because right, right. um, hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be going through another turbo shortly at this
5: rate. Yeah, I
4: wish I had an answer for you over over the over the radio here, but that's uh, yeah, I'd love I'd love to get my hands on it. But,
5: right on. Well, there, hopefully I'll too, be coming to, up there. There's too. more to. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I
4: would love to get it in here.
5: Uh, I want that Dorothy put on here, so um, yeah, I'll, get in, in here. Yeah, I'll yeah get we'll a do it. Of you guys. So, All right. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it.
2: All right. You're you're welcome. welcome. We are going to get to another call, I hope, if I can get this one off the line. What is it with uh, when I'm talking to you guys in Pittsburgh? Are you guys hacking into my phone system, or is it the North Koreans again?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're closer to them than we are. Maybe that's it.
2: it maybe that's it Um, let me try I think I got it let's see if I can pick up the next call there we go we are off to uh, I think give it one second here everything seems to be working very very slow today Uh, I got one call off I can't seem to get the other one on let's try that one more time there we go Ben in Virginia welcome to the program
0: how you doing, guys? I got an 01379. My odometer quit working yesterday. Uh, Speedometers still function, but the odometer part is not. Can they be taken apart and fixed or just throw it away, get a new one? And can you recalibrate the new one to match the previous miles?
3: What What uh, make is your truck? It's a... Uh, Okay. The, in that case, the body module stores the mallage, um, and it should just be a plug-and-play. Um, is, is it okay. a digital, or is it actually a mechanical? One? I'm trying to think on this. No, one. it's
0: uh, mechanical.
3: Ooh. and No, I don't think there's any way, because the digital one, it, it's actually relatively easy, being that number's stored in the, in the module. On the mechanical one, I do not know a way of making the mallage match. Uh, okay. It's possible to take it apart and take a look and see if something over time has become, you know, detached, like a solder joint.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I, if I smack it a couple times, I'll work for a little bit, then it quits again, smack ah, it, and yeah. it works. For you a definitely mile. have a bad solder joint. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, okay. it so like it's terrible. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. And my other question is, I've got a C-15. I had nothing but headache with it in the last, last year or so. I had some work done at one cat shop. Uh, they redid the head and uh, uh, one liner. Uh, they screwed it the up when they uh, reinstalled the rest of them. They had some dirt on the uh, on, uh, flange, cracked another one, took it to another cat shop, and it was there for like three weeks. Um, wanted to make sure who was going to pay for it and all that stuff before they did any work. So they got that fixed, but they had to um, reflash the ECM because I was told whatever program I had on there, which was put on by CAT a few years back, that doesn't match the new EPA uh, regs and all that, and now the truck runs like crap. I mean, run across thin in Florida, Loaded uh, those little bitty rises on the road. I have to throw a gear, sometimes too. Um, my uh, my boost would go up to thirty, thirty-one psi. Now I'm lucky if I get up to twenty-three. Now, can I just send you the ECM and you can uh, reprogram it, or do I have to bring the truck up there?
3: You can send me the ECM on that one. It sounds like they knocked your horsepower way down.
0: Yes. Yes. And the truck is, you know, like it's got something holding it back. You know, it's not running as free.
2: All right. It's the the, music, nice it. the, the music's playing. Power. We're yeah. going to get to a break. We're going to come back. We're going to try to get to a couple more calls and questions in this final segment right after this. Stick around. This is the Power Hour Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Doing? The website is Let'sTruck.com. This is the Power Hour. John and Ethan are here from Pittsburgh Power. We're going to get back to your calls. We're off to Florida this time. And let's see if this line picks up. It's trying. We're going to head off to talk to... Come on. You guys have an ECM tune-up for my phone system. There we go. It worked. It just took a little while. Brandon in Florida, you're on the air. Go ahead.
1: Hi, Kevin. Um, I have a 2007 uh, Volvo. Um, it has the 16 liter Volvo engine in it. I'm sorry. And it had a million mile. Yeah, it had a <laughs> million miles on it. Didn't burn any oil. Everything was great. And, uh, uh, the, uh, the bull gear, they called it a double idler or something. Bull gear went out of it, tore up the engine. Gear, tran failure, they called it. So I'm looking at putting a crate motor in it, uh, because you've always said deal with the devil, you know, and what you don't know. So they're, they're telling me that I should put in a new, uh, turbo and that particular turbo Five thousand dollars if you put a new crate motor or a new motor in it. What is your opinion on that?
3: Hmm. Are that? Well, how old oh. is the? Yeah, how old is the current turbo? Is it also? I
1: bought the truck. With, I bought the truck with eight hundred thousand miles, and I don't know, but I've never had an issue oh, with the okay. turbo for two two hundred and twenty-five thousand miles.
3: I think it's a real similar one of the Cummins used. It is, and I think, I think yeah. it's the same one, even. Yeah. They're, they're made by the same company there. Um, I would give it a thorough inspection over. If you had no problems with it, you know, I don't see a, you know replacing a part that's not bad to begin with. You know, it, it didn't contribute to the failure in any way. Uh, so a good look what, over it would be...
1: What about the warranty or the engine with a, with a bad turbo, or with a old turbo? Is there going to be any issues
4: there as long as the factory turbo i can't see them causing any issues with that
3: yeah you'd have to ask them for, uh, for about the warranty information no um, uh, i don't know the mercedes warranty very well or no volvo volvo, volvo. 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 yeah yep
1: okay and then what about the uh, injectors do i have to put new injectors in this motor or or uh, if if it, there's an option do i have to if
3: you buy a crate engine, I believe Probably it's going to have them already because yeah. everyone, and I'm just going to cite Cummins here, when we buy a crate engine, it comes assembled or a Detroit with injectors and parts already in it. Okay. Okay.
1: Um, all right. And and uh, uh, is there any way a, uh, a turbo, uh, a well-used turbo can damage an engine if something falls apart on it? Uh, somebody's telling me that they had a, a complete engine failure from a bad turbo. Is that
3: possible? Possible, but unlikely. Uh, if, if the compressor wheel came apart and you sucked all the pieces, pieces they managed to possibly, make it yeah. through yeah. the charged air cooler. Um, that would involve a lot of bad luck.
4: <laughs> okay. And the engine will take care of itself, anything else, but over boost or under boost, you're gonna get a code.
3: Yeah, and it'll it'll, be it'll right accordingly. Itself,
4: so, yeah, so
2: I can't see that having any effect whatsoever.
3: Okay. Thank
1: you guys. I appreciate
2: it. Goodbye. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You're let's uh let's see, where are we heading off to next? We will well first we have to get rid of this phone call. And now the system doesn't want to hang up the call, <laughs> guys. Do you want to do you want to do a little song and dance to entertain everybody while I uh, take a hammer to my <laughs> my phone system here? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I was I, that that last caller, the previous caller, stole my line. Um, you know, sometimes I smack my employees and then they work a little longer, but uh, doesn't seem to be like a good practice. So. I should probably stop that. Uh, Let me try picking up a call without dropping that that one. That almost never seems to work, but maybe I can get it done. If I can pick up this call, we're heading off to Hal in New Mexico. And just to give you guys some heads up, he wants to talk about what you can do for a pet car motor. So while I'm trying to... Bring the call in, since we know that's what his question is. Why don't you just answer that? Are you there? Oh, think, there we got someone. I think we got you. Go ahead. Is this Hal? Yep. Looks Are you like there? It.
6: Yeah, I, did, I, w- I was just wanting to know if they could do emissions tunes on the packar I've got almost three hundred and forty thousand on this, and it's never had a tune yet, and it's really running good. We, I we hate can do. They even touch it.
4: <laughs> we can do a maintenance on it and at 300,000 I'd recommend you do that and we won't uh mess with any calibration or anything as with, for one reason we're not capable of doing that yet but what I would recommend is just get the sensors cleaned out and the tubes cleaned out and all the uh pathways where the EGR goes cleaned and uh you know some fresh gaskets on some things and it'll keep it it'll keep it running that way so that should mean you could go another right. 300,000 or so without trouble so You'd rather well, than wait until you like do have that tech engine light creep up. Yeah, so that would be the best bet. And that's really all we can do with that thing right now. And I also recommend doing the overhead if you haven't done that yet on it. So it's, a, it's an well, easy we, one to do. And it seem t- to, seems to perk
6: it up a little bit. We did it at 60,000 miles. They recommended The dealer recommended we did it at 60,000, but I haven't done it since. Yeah, so it would be worthwhile. Yeah. And you could put a Dorothy on when you did a mission tune for me. Not yet on the pack car. I'm struggling with that too. So anybody else
4: out there that's listening with a pack car that's maybe got a deposit in on one. We are, we are working on that as we speak. I finally have a test truck in here, and uh, that pack car system is super sensitive to flow, and I have to modify the intake to make room to put the Dorothy on it. So then I have to reintroduce the EGR gases to the intake stream, and I'm struggling with uh, the venturi area there to try and get it to draw it at the same rate that the factory did. So uh it's a work in progress right now. Uh you know, I hope to have it solved in the next month or so. But uh, that's that's well, the you update know, on the uh, on the PACCAR installation for the Torthy. So it's it's a really know, I, intricate system. Yep. Go on.
6: I wanted to take my exhaust stack it's got a upright stack on it. I wanted to take it down and put a weed burner on it so I'd have room to put a uh, spare tire rack there on my deck for for the super single, and the, and the dealer told me he said, "Now he said that that they won't let you do that. You, that was set up. That, that exhaust is set up that way." And he said he didn't recommend me doing that. Is it that sensitive? I think they are
4: that sensitive. I would I, I, I would have you know if someone told me that they were that sensitive, I would have been uh, told them they were lying until I got got to work on it. But yeah, it is that sensitive. Uh, there wow. the sensors and things on that. I think a slight change in back pressure may very well. Uh, upset it, yeah. So they'll notice the actual back pressure valve going farther than it should, or something. And it would not surprise me if that were the case. It would uh, totally not okay. surprise me if it didn't notice that. So, but uh, we'll figure it out. I, I'm I'm confident that we'll uh, we'll get it. But uh, you know, right now it's uh, it's kind of been uh, I've been obsessing about it for the past couple of weeks. Actually, uh, we we were lucky enough to have a local dealer loan us a truck that they brought in on trade. That's uh, a 13 or a 14, which is what I needed. And you know we're just uh, got that here, and we've had it on and off the dyno, and logged a bunch of data, and looking at things. And I'm like within one gram per gram per hour, something like that. Yeah, it's I'm off one one gram, one more gram of EGR flow I need, and I, I'm struggling to find it. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. Like I said I will figure it out, but uh, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen. It won't be long. We're working on it now. But I would still recommend the uh, the EGR and after-treatment maintenance, though, especially if you've gone 300,000 trouble-free miles. Uh, to, to continue to do that, I think maintenance is necessary.
2: All right. It looks like that's going to do it for the show today. We've got to wrap this up and get out of here. Thanks to John and Ethan for, from Pittsburgh Power. If you have any other questions, give them a call. And... Uh, Don't forget about our app. If you haven't heard about our app yet, you need to get it. It's pretty amazing. It's free. That's always nice. It does one thing, and it does it really well. You download the app, you open it up, and you can listen to all our shows. You can listen live. You can listen while we do our recordings. You can listen to all the past shows. Um, We have shows going back, I think, almost 10 years in there, 7 years, something. It's a lot. Um, you can listen to all the shows that I host, which would be Questions from the Road, the live shows on the weekend, Destination Health, Pittsburgh Power, uh, my monthly show with Larry Wingett, the Broker Connect show when we do it. And in our next release of that app, you'll also be able to listen to some of our other hosts as well. So we are working, always working. To make it even better. But right now it's pretty amazing, so go get it. Here's the easiest way to find it do a Google search, and all you need to put in is Audio Road, one word, A U D I O R O A D, Audio Road app. The first two links that come up, one will be Android, the other will be your iPhone. Download the app, it's free, and start listening. We will see you next time. Thanks for joining me. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. i Kevin Rothberg.